Hey church, today's message is already but not yet. That's the title of today's message, already but not yet. Everyone say already, already. but not yet. not yet. Oh, very good. I like it. I was thinking about 17 years ago, Puro went on a missions trip with the, with the church worship team. They went to Fiji. Not a bad place to go for, for a mission trip with, uh, with the worship team. Jesse O'Brien led that. And she went with the team over there. And, and when she came back, she wasn't feeling too well. And I just figured, you must have caught a bug from Fiji or something. So we go to the doctors. We go to the doctors. And to our surprise, we discovered that she was pregnant. I was thinking to myself, you go to Fiji and you come back pregnant? What's going on here? You know, and then, uh, but yeah, obviously, obviously she was pregnant before she left. You know, anyway, I'll just let you know that, okay? Um, and later, later on, later on, um, on our journey with her pregnancy, we found out that we're having a boy. I was having a son and I was over the moon. And here's the thing. When we found out that we're having a son, when we found out that she was pregnant, we, we didn't say, well, you know what? Let's just wait. We're not going to do anything until Till our son is born, then we'll then we'll, we'll give our son all the love that he that, that all the love that we can give. We we didn't do that at all, and the reason being is because as far as we were concerned, we already had a son, but not yet. <laughs> we already had a son, but not yet. And so, and so we had work to do, and, and I gave him the most amazing name, even though it wasn't he wasn't born yet. I gave him the most amazing name, and I gave him the name Te Pare Anthony Covers. Beautiful name. Okay, it's all my names. I gave him my name. I gave him the name. And, and you know, we, we would sing to him. Um, we would call him by name. And we got all, we got, we got everything prepared for him for when he was ready. Got everything already, even though he wasn't yet born, because he was already, but not yet. And church, I, I want to I talk today about how we can have victory now. When it feels like you're in a losing battle. You ever felt like that? You ever feel like you've been in a losing battle? But you can have victory now. Even when you feel like throwing in the towel. Even when you feel like you can do nothing right. When everything seems to be going wrong around you. When you you feel like giving up. Today I want to encourage you that through Christ, you have already won. You have the victory in Jesus. And I want to encourage you that the trouble that you see now will soon be over. I want to encourage you that your best years are ahead of you. It's not behind you. It's ahead of you. In fact, the biblical scholars call this already, but not yet. The already, but not yet. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, he ushered in the kingdom of God. That we're in the kingdom of God right here, right now. We are already in the kingdom. But we have not yet seen it in its glory. And that's the already but not yet. We are already in the kingdom, but we do not yet see it in its glory. And this is what biblical scholars call the already, but not yet. We can experience his goodness now. We can experience the kingdom of God now. And for some of us, we're thinking, well, if we can experience the kingdom of God now, then why is there so much evil still in the world? Because there's, there are still people in the world who have stepped out of God's purpose, who have stepped out of God's love. And God has called you because there's work for us to do. This work for us. We are called to be the light in this dark world, to share hope, that, that people can experience freedom. They can experience freedom and be free from shame and regret now because the kingdom of God is already, but not yet. 
if you've got your Bibles, I, I want us to, to look at Joshua chapter 1. And to set the scene about Josh, Joshua chapter 1, is that God called Moses to liberate his people who were, were in bondage and slavery in Egypt. And so, so, so Moses leads the people out of bondage, out of slavery, and God calls them to, 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 to lead them to the promised land. To the promised land. And you know, from the journey from Egypt to the promised land, it should take about two weeks. It will take them 40 years to get to the promised land. They, they will wander in the desert around and around for 40 years because God was still doing some work within them. Because even though that they were free, they still had this bondage mindset and God was, was doing something amongst them and he was leading them to the promised land. It's, I, I was thinking of, uh, about this because it's like when we sold our building in March, uh, we were thinking, you know, we're just going to be here for a couple of weeks, right? And here we are six months later. We're still here. We're still here. So Moses dies and Joshua is, is um, God appoints Joshua to, to lead the people into the promised land. So here we are, Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. See, the land was already theirs. God said, look, the land's already yours. I'm giving you this land but there's still work for you to do. It's already yours, but there's work for you to do. There are kings in this land that you need to displace. There are kings in this land that you need to defeat. And I wonder what's in your life, places where you are failing right now, where things that you need to defeat in your life, some things that are like kings in your life. What are the kings in your life that you need to defeat? That you're in the kingdom of God now, but there are areas in your life that you need to deal with right now. I wonder what it is for you. Verse 7, and God continues speaking to Joshua, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So, so how were they going to have good success? Right? How were they going to have good success, the children of Israel? In fact, this is a clue for you to have good success in life. How were they going to have good success? By living according to His Word. By living according to His word, God, God wasn't saying that. Hey, look, just go in and just rely on your strength. Just go rely on your skill. In fact, just go, just go re re rely on the strong will that you have. Just rely on that. He didn't. He didn't just give them a battle plan. This is when you go in. This is your strategy. He didn't just give them weapons. But what he said to them was, was walk according to my word and do not depart from it. Walk according to my word and do not depart from it. Meditate on it. Day and night. He didn't say just meditate on it once a week. Just on a Sunday when you come to church. Just, just He says, no, meditate on, on it day and night. For then you will be prosperous and have success. 
See, the word of God is a unified story from start to finish, pointing to Jesus Christ. See, success isn't just being rich. Success isn't just having a nice car and a nice home. But success is when we begin to reflect the image of Jesus to those around us. And and not just to our loved ones. We're meant to to reflect the love of Jesus to even um, to the ones that give us constant grief. Who are the ones um, that are giving you constant grief? Can you think of them straight away? Who are those places in your, who are those people in your workplaces, right? Or or maybe at home or or maybe in your community. Yeah, we are to reflect God's love, the love of Jesus, even to them. That's success. That's success. See, I, I believe the reason so many people struggle with despair is because we aren't walking according to God's word. That's a big statement to say. It's a big statement. And this is what I believe. I really do believe that. I believe that so many struggle with despair because we aren't walking according to God's word. And please hear me out. And please, I don't mean to offend anyone because you might be here. Well, pastor, I read. I do read my Bible and I'm still struggling. But there's a difference between reading and meditating on his word. So reading is important because reading is where we gather information. We gather that information, but if we just, but we can't just stop there. We can't just stop at just gathering information and then go on. But we are to meditate on God's word, to allow God's word to transform us, to transform our heart, our mind, and behavior, to chew on the word of God and, and, and to, to think about it daily, day and night. To think about how, 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 am I, how am I doing in this area? Applying the, the word of God in my marriage. Applying the word of God in how I interact with people. The people that give me grief. How, how am I doing on this? And this, is, and this is what we are meant to do both to read and to meditate on God's word. Because here's the thing. I'm not saying that you won't have struggle. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that when you, if you meditate on the word of God, you won't have struggle. But what I am saying is that you... That, 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 that you can have struggle without despair. That you can have struggle and not be overwhelmed. That you can have struggle and, 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 and still win. That you can struggle even when it feels like you're losing. You can struggle and still win. Because there's power in the Word of God. And, and this is why the Apostle Paul, I love what he says in, 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 in the book of Philippians. You get, you get to know something about the, the Apostle Paul. He was shipped, wrecked three times. Three times he was shipwrecked. He, he, was, he was a prisoner and, and, um, on a ship, and he was shipwrecked three times. If you, when there is shipwrecks around the world, there aren't too many survivors. He was shipwrecked three times. And they tried to kill him. They tried to stone him to death. You know, they thought that he was dead, but he got up and he walked off. He was beaten. He's been in prison. You name it. Um, it happened to the apostle Paul. But yet he would say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. When the word of God gets inside of you. See, when the apostle Paul meditated on the Holy Scriptures, on the, book, on, the, on, the, on the Hebrew Scriptures, which is our Old Testament. As he meditated on, on the Hebrew Scriptures, he saw Jesus from Genesis right through, to, through the prophets. 
And he could see Jesus in there. And, 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 he, and he knew that he can walk in victory now already, but not yet. So God says to Joshua, going back to Joshua, he says to Joshua in chapter 1, I'm giving you this land already, but not yet because there's work for you to do. And if you live according to my word, if you live according to my, uh, my word, then you will have success. This is what he asked me. Live according to my word and you'll have success. Live according to my, my, my word and you'll be prosperous. Then he says in verse 9, he says, verse 9, he says, this is my command. What's his command? Live according to my word. This is my command. And when you live, when you, when you, when you live according to my command, to live according to my word, and then he goes, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For Yahweh your God, for the Lord your God, is with you wherever you go. When the word of God is living inside of you, wherever you go, I am with you. When you allow God's word to get inside of you, when you meditate on a day and night, then you'll begin to reflect Jesus wherever you go. You can't help but reflect Jesus. When you meditate on his word daily, you reflect him in every situation. Even that person that, that hacks you off, you can't help but reflect his goodness. When we meditate on his word daily. See, the goal of the enemy of God, I, I believe the number one goal of the enemy of God is stop you from reading and meditating on his word. You know, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. He'll put all sorts of ob obstacles in your way so you don't read the Bible. He'll put other things. He said, this is, there's far more important things for you to read, like social media, like, like, like the news, like the Rugby World Cup, like up the was, right? But all these things. He put all these things before you. There's more important things. I don't know. What, whatever it is for you to take your attention away from the Word of God, the devil will use. So I wonder what, what is it for you that's diverting your attention from the word of God? What is it for you that's diverting your attention from the word of God? Because you need to name it. Because when you can name it, then you know the king that you needed to defeat. Because it's the already, but not yet. There's work for you to do. Joshua 13. So this was going down further, uh, down 13 chapters. God says to Joshua, well, when Joshua was an old man, Yahweh said to him, you are growing old and much land remains to be conquered. You've, you've been here. I've asked you to do something. You haven't done it. See, jo Joshua didn't take all the land. He got comfortable. He got comfortable when there were still kings that needed to be defeated. Isn't this true with us? We can get so comfortable in our faith. We can get so comfortable in our walk with God. Everything's going okay. I know there's some areas in my life that I need to deal with, but she'll be right. It will come right. I will get on top of it. It's under control. It's all good. But look what happened. Because when we get to the book of Judges, Joshua has died and another generation has taken the land. Judges chapter 2, verse 2. The Lord speaking again to the people. For your part, 
you are not to make any covenants with the people living in that land. You are not to make any treaties with them. The people who, who, who are against me. You are not to make any covenants with the people living in the land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars. But you disobeyed my command. Why did you do this? So now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides. And their gods will be a constant temptation to you. See, the more you don't deal with sin in your life, the more you get used to it. The more you make treaties with it. You make a treaty with it. You know, and, we, and we begin to compromise, and compromise seeps in. And the, the, the more we, we don't deal with it, the more we get used to it, and the more we don't see it anymore. See, the enemy of faith is not doubt. The enemy of faith is not doubt. If you've got doubt in your faith, that's okay. We're meant to wrestle with our faith. We're meant to wrestle together in community, to come before God with our doubts. Read the book of Psalms. Just read the book of Psalms. There's so much doubt in there. Read Scripture. Because that's okay. But the enemy of faith is apathy. It's apathy. Being complacent, indifferent with sin. She'll be right, mate. Apathy will disconnect you from God. It will disconnect you from community and it will disconnect you from purpose. Apathy will disconnect you from God. It will disconnect you from community and it will disconnect you from your purpose. So how do we overcome apathy in our life? People we know, they're on fire for God, but all of a sudden the fire is gone. What seeped in? Apathy. So how do we overcome apathy? How do we live in victory now? Joshua 1.8. By meditating on His Word. See, when the Word of God is active and living inside of you, it doesn't matter what the world throws at you, because greater is He who is in you than He that is in the world. I love what the Apostle Paul says. When he, when he wasn't too sure if, if he was getting the death sentence in the book of Philippians, he was like, I'm on death row right now. And he's writing to the church in Philippi. In Philippians 1 verse 21, and I'm going to paraphrase it. We're not going to look at it. I'm just going to paraphrase it. He's like, you know, if I, he's writing to the people of Philippi. And he's like, you know, if I live, if I'm still alive, man, that's to your benefit. I'm here. I can encourage you. I can, I, I can teach you. It's to your benefit. But if I, if I die, then I'm with Jesus. And it's to my benefit. So whether I live or die, I, just, I don't know which is better. Because if I live, I'm with you. And I can encourage you. But if I'm dying, I'm with Jesus. So Apostle Paul had this attitude to the, to the Roman authorities. You can do, give me your, do your best. Because I've got Jesus with me. Everything's all right. I've got Jesus with me. It's the already, but not yet. So it's time not to become complacent. It's time not to get comfortable. See, when we're comfortable, if we get too comfortable, then we don't need the comforter. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter. And if we're too comfortable, we don't need the comforter. I've got this. And we can get complacent. See, 
Apathy wants to rob you of your fire for God. Wants to, wants to snuff out that flame. Apathy will make you so comfortable that sin doesn't bother you anymore. Isn't it amazing, you know, for me, it still bothers me when people swear. And it bothers me. You know, and it's like, oh, we live in this world, but I think if I become apathetic towards it, that all of a sudden it doesn't bother me. That's when I worry. Apathy will disconnect you from God. It will disconnect you from community, and it will disconnect you from your purpose. So how do we live in victory when all hell is breaking loose around us? How do we live that way? That's it's all good what they're saying, Pastor. It's cool while we're here, but how about when I'm by myself I'm, I'm a, and, and I'm struggling with my kids, if I'm in this workplace and my boss is giving me a hard time, if I'm struggling in my marriage, how am I meant to live in victory now? You're already but not yet. Meditate on His Word. Are you meditating on His Word? Because when He's living inside of you, He strengthens you when you're struggling in your marriage I'm telling you, when, when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're in the Word of God and you're, and you're breathing Scripture and you're struggling in your marriage, you, you know, Scripture's like 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And in Scripture, the word sins means to, means to miss the mark. And when you're struggling in your relationship, it's so easy to look at the, the, your, the other loved one, oh, you're missing the mark here. And I'm reading scripture and says, I've got to love them deeply. I'm here to help them. To, I'm, gonna, I'm, here, I'm here to come beside them. They're missing the mark and I missed the mark over here, but let me help you and you will help me. Because I'm here to love you deeply. Or, or when you're struggling in your parenting, you're thinking, what a terrible dad. What a terrible, you know, there's times as parents, if we're honest, where we do things and we, we say things and we go, oh my gosh, what a terrible dad I am. What a terrible mom I am. And when, when you read, and then scripture encourages, like 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's, it's God's grace. It's his grace. I'm, I'm a parent. I'm still figuring this thing out, but God's grace is with me. And, and, and my weakness is his strength. Or maybe you're just, you just feel like you're in a losing season right now. I, I love 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 to 9. We often suffer, right? He just says it. He's like saying, hey, now that you're Christian, it's going to be all good. No, what he said, no, we often suffer, right? We often suffer, but we are never crushed. As long as you're still breathing, there's hope. Even when we don't know what to do. You ever feel like that? This, oh, let me tell you something about this journey that we've been on about this building. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I don't even know what to do. But we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. Come on. This is what we need to hear. When we, when we meditate on His Word and we feel like all oh, hell is breaking loose, God is with me. He's with me. And when we are knocked down, we get up again. Maybe you're struggling sharing your faith. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And that encourages me to share my story, 
to share my faith because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I need to declare that over my life. I need to declare it every morning when I go to my workplace that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. Amen? And this is what the Word of God does. It strengthens you. I'm not saying you're not going to have struggle. The Bible tells us, oh, when you, oh, we often suffer. So now we're not yet. God's Word strengthens you, but it doesn't only strengthen you, it strengthens our community. It strengthens our society. It strengthens our nation. And here's why. When you remove the authority of Scripture within society, you remove accountability. I'm going to say that again. When you remove the authority of Scripture and society, you remove accountability. Just think about the rise of crime. There's no accountability. What's holding them accountable? When you remove Scripture. Because what are we seeing in, in society now? Apathy. Apathy to the law. Apathy to authority. The people are indifferent to, to what they do. Now, I remember this conversation I had with this older person. And, and they were just talking about the, the rise of crime in our community. And they said something really interesting. They said, you can't blame how hard it is financially. Don't just blow, oh, you know, you just got to understand it's people finding it hard out there, which is why they're going towards crime. This older person said, that's just rubbish. And I was going, whoa, calm down, you know. And this is what they said. They said, we lived through recessions. We lived through wars. We had no money. And people of our time didn't blatantly flaunt the law like they do today. And I was like, wow. With the removal of the Bible in our parliament, in our schools, and the ongoing attack of media on our churches, it's heartbreaking. But when we remove the authority of Scripture within society, we remove accountability. Apathy will disconnect you from God. It will disconnect you from community, and it will disconnect you from your purpose. See, reading your Bible daily and meditating on it is the greatest habit that you can form. It's right up there with prayer. It's the greatest habit you can form, <laughs> you know. It goes together. It's like if you have a Marmite sandwich, you've got to have chicken chips to go with it. It's the only way it works. It's just like prayer and reading your word. <laughs> Marmite and chips. Here we go. So the best one here. So I, 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 harp, on, I harp on on this topic all the time because I, I, I value it. I value Scripture. I so value it for my life. And the greatest habit you can form is reading Scripture. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the first thing, and the best way to form a habit is attach it to an already existing habit. We're you've got billions of habits. We're creatures of habits. If one of your habits, the first thing you do in the morning is pick up your phone, if this is the first thing you do, that's a habit. So why don't you attach reading your Bible to this habit? Form this habit. I'm picking it up, download the Bible app, read a chapter in your Bible app. Attach it to this habit. Just start reading, get the information. Then as you progress, start meditating on it. Or, or maybe for the, for the men here, for the men here, because you know what I'm talking about. Maybe the first thing you do in the morning is spend an hour on the toilet. <laughs> right? Not in this room. Maybe that's the first thing you do, right? Well, why not read the Bible in there? Right? Uh, just read it. Do all that you can to form a habit. 
You already got a habit of spending an hour in the toilet. Why not read the Bible? <laughs> Start somewhere. Do all that you can to form a Bible reading habit. Do all that you can. And when you do, you'll step into the already, but not yet. There's work for us to do. We're going to end with Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It's accountability. Can you imagine what our community would look like? Can you imagine what our, our young people on the streets, what their lives would look like if, they were, if the Word of God was living inside of them? It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do the, what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Come on, let us pray.